0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Under the Hoodies, this is Bill Kegel, I'm joined tonight by Tony DeNicola, as always. Tony, what is happening, buddy?
1: Ah, oh, man, just
2: hanging out. Got back from the gym a little while ago, feeling pretty good. And uh, if I go on a quick tangent on uh, the gym and people who like to frequent the gym, um, those who know me, I, I love get my fitness on, have a great time with it. We all know the New Year's coming, you know, that time where your local gym turns into um, basically a scene out of the Royal Rumble and you're just throwing people over the top rope left and right. And obviously I can't stand it. I feel if you're going to work out, you know, where are you the other 11 months of the year? But uh, I hit you up with a picture the other day and uh, we got a good laugh <laughs> out of it. I uh, hopped on the elliptical and I happen to look over to my left and I see this gentleman wearing a mask while running. You know, I, I've never done research on it, but I've seen the stupid elevation mask. I think it's one big fad. I think it's stupid. I think it serves you no purpose whatsoever. It's one of those, you know, being a me monster, oh, look at me, look at what I can do. Look, I'm wearing this cool mask. And I took a closer look at the guy, and it's not even an elevation mask. It was a straight-up gas mask, like out of, like, World War II or Vietnam or something. I, it, I, I live in Cato, New York. I'm in the middle of the country, and this guy is wearing a gas mask. Like I, I was fearing that like the communists were going to bomb us or something. I mean, we have one streetlight. I don't exactly think we're a, a high target for weapons of mass destruction, but I mean, you now maybe maybe I'm wrong. Who knows?
0: That picture I described is one of those. You know, there's the doomsday preppers. That guy was like the doomsday runner. Like that was ridiculous. Like that's not an elevation mask. That's some actual oh. Uh, the uh, access powers are dropping mustard gas, let's throw this on kind of gas mask. That was like an old timey gas mask with like the uh, the canister for uh, you know, that, that that actually puts oxygen back in your body. Like that thing was absurd. And it wasn't even hooked to anything. I mean, he really would have been as, I mean he would have gotten more cardio out of just wearing a, just your typical ski mask. I didn't know what he was doing. All that thing would be doing is, I, it's not really restricting your Air, I don't know, but it was definitely one of the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I mean, that guy made a. It's not like he just had that in his trunk; like he grabbed that from his unit because he was wearing a he was wearing a uh, just your 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 standard issue tan undershirt for your ACUs in the army, and uh, so he got that from his unit, brought it to the gym, put it on, and then hit the treadmill. That was one of the more bizarre pictures I've seen in a while. I hope I'm painting a clear enough picture. So think. Think uh, Axis Powers dropping mustard gas in a farm in France and what the Allies would wear uh, to uh, not to breathe that in. That's what he was wearing.
2: Yeah, and uh, people want to see it. I took a photo of it, and I will pop it up over on the Twitter. So uh, if you want to go take a look at it, uh, at Under the Hoodies on Twitter, at Bill K. Eagle, at TonyQs44. Feel free to hop on, and you can – you can see through my eyes what, uh I got to witness at the gym the other night and just the, the sheer horror of it. I, I honestly thought about just uh, biting the top off my water bottle and just screaming fire in the hole and just chucking it toward him and see what his reaction would be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it. <laughs> I wonder what his reaction would have been. What, what would that guy's posture have been if he would have done that? Because he would have been like, oh, everyone else here is screwed but me because I brought my handy dandy gas mask from the 1920s. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I didn't know what was going on with that. That was that was one of the more bizarre things I've seen in a while. So, um, we're actually glad that he did it because it's uh it's given us quite a bit of uh it's a conversation piece for sure. But uh, you know what? Oh, yeah. me, let's just get right into it. Um, we have a game to review. Um uh, the result of said game is not one you and I expected. So, Giants, Cowboys. Um, both teams look kind of bad. That was not a good game. That's not what I would uh, refer to as quality. Um, and uh, everybody's seen it by now, and if you haven't, well, that's weird. Um, you shouldn't be listening to the show. But you, you'd think, like, both of these offenses on paper are high power, but like I pointed out like I pointed out last week's episode, the Giants' offense has been the second worst in the league since Week Seven, and they've played some cupcake defense. The Chicago, Cleveland, uh, just just not good defenses, and their their defense is still pretty bad. So that begs the question: the Cowboys' defense good, or is the Giants' offense uh, offense floundering pretty pathetically because they haven't really put together a, a nice, solid scoring drive in quite some time? I mean, they had some uh, BS ones against Pittsburgh. Um, But, yeah, I mean, what – I guess my biggest takeaway from that game is, you know, the offense is struggling a little bit in Dallas. Not a big deal. I think they'll right the ship. That offensive line is too good. And uh, biggest takeaway I took away, and this might be a little bit of a homer pick, but let me know what you think. The Giants defense is like a world beater right now, especially without its best player, Jason Pierre-Paul, at least most talented player. Uh, I mean, that's the big thing I took from it, is that the defense just looks fantastic. Steve Spagnola coached the game of his life. But as a Cowboys fan on the other side, what did you
2: what did you take from it? Uh, the Giants' defense has definitely improved. I don't think they're great. They're not world beaters. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys, the fact that they went one for 15 on third down, they did themselves no favors. But I, I'll freely admit, I mean, besides deep going over for 100 yards, uh, Prescott looked completely lost. He finally looked like a rookie, deer in the headlights, missing throws left and right, missing his reads, couldn't connect with Dez at all. I I mean, and he was a crazy stat, I found out, too. They haven't completed a pass on third down since Thanksgiving. So that's against Minnesota now and against the Giants. So, yeah, I'll give give the Giants defense credit. I, I think they're very much improved. I think they're a good, not great defense. But the Cowboys, you know, only getting 260 yards, it, they, you know, they did no favors in the passing game. No, I 100%
0: agree with you. But the Giants' defense has—I uh, have some stats on them here that I'm going to pull up. But I mean, if you watch them, I mean, the defensive—they they did a pretty good job getting pressure in creative ways. What I saw them doing a lot is they were sending—they were sending the outside linebacker essentially to take out Tyron Smith, and then having uh, Olivier Vernon stunt And then, you know, I I said they stopped, but coming in on a little bit of a delay, uh, which was actually kind of uh, kind of an impressive thing to watch that how they were sort of, uh, you know, they're they're reverse double teaming um, Tyron Smith, which was which was interesting. I mean, I thought that that was that was really good. That was really good scheming by uh, by uh, Spagnolo. So um, but here we go. So. Since week six, the Giants have the third best defense, uh, third down defense. Or, geez, I can't talk right now. Since week six, the Giants have the, the best third down defense, the best scoring defense, second most sacks, and are tied for fourth in takeaways. Um, so those are pretty good stats uh, by all accounts by the Giants. I mean, it seems like the tail of two seasons. With, uh, you know, ever since week six and week seven, the offense has been bad. The defense has been really good. Um, they also have the best scoring defense, or tie for the best scoring defense in the league with, uh, I do believe, Kansas City. Uh, a lot of that is thanks to Landon Collins and his five-game stretch where he had an interception. I think He had a couple touchdowns. Um, Janoris Jenkins picked up uh, Dak on just something. Yeah, I mean, he just sort of, it was a bad route by, uh, by Dez. But um, but if you watch Jenkins on that, he sort of baited him into it. So, I don't know, man. I do think the Giants' defense is at least bordering on world-beater status. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see what they do going down the stretch once, the, once other teams start to see the defense on film a little bit without Jason Pierre Paul and how they react to it. But, but, yeah, like you said, man, Dak, you know what? I don't want to call it a rookie thing because he doesn't look like a rookie all year. So, if we're not going to call him a rookie when he's playing well, I'm not going to call him a rookie when he's playing bad all quarterbacks have these games, you know, Brady, Brady has these games. You'll see one bad game a year by Brady, maybe once or two years, I lot of the Kansas city game a couple years back um, was a, was a Brady game, you know, and every quarterback has these games. You know, Eli, a lot of them lately, but, um, but yeah, no, I just think sometimes you play a, you play a defense that's firing at all cylinders with a lot of talent, like the giants and you all, know, this is going to happen. So I'm not going to blame Dak for that. I'm going to go. That's more uh, the giants defensive scheming, not because I'm being biased, just because, um, Dallas has, you know, not looked, not looked uh, you know, this bad, um, you know, at really any point of the season.
2: And, yeah, and it, it's funny, too. It's just I think overall, I think we can both agree on this, the Cowboys are the better team, but there's something about the sure. Giants and how they match up with Dallas that Dallas just can't combat that. And, I mean, the NFL, it's just not about who's the most talented team. It's about how you match up. I mean, these teams know each yeah. other inside and out. They're rivals. You see it all over the NFL. There's just certain teams, like uh, the, the St. Louis Rams, are a god awful franchise. They're a dumpster fire. Yet somehow they they beat Seattle three games in a row. It just it all comes down to these matchups, and it's crazy to think about.
0: No, 100% agreed, and it is for whatever reason. At least the Giants this year had their number. Um, so what do you think? Do you think these teams are going to meet again in the playoffs? And if so, on your on a scale from one to 10, how worried are you for that game? Because I'm probably at about a nine if they play in the
2: playoffs. Well, the way it's looking right now, if, if everything holds serve, Cowboys will be the number one seed, Giants will be number five. So the Cowboys will travel to uh, the division winner of, I think right now it's going to be the South most likely. It'll be Atlanta or Tampa Bay. I can see the Giants winning that game. I mean, and, Giants, too, they have a history of this. They get in as a wild-card team, they don't look the best, and then just somehow they get on a roll. So that worries me a lot. But if they win the divisional round, you know, unless the 16 wins, the Cowboys will get them in the divisional round. Maybe if the 16 wins, they'll get them in the NFC or yeah, the NFC title game. But, I am I mean, one out of ten, I my worry is about at an eight. I mean, they just – they match up so well. They, it seems they have our number. I'm – I'm extremely concerned with it. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I want to play the best team. I don't want to just try to avoid anyone as a fan. Like I, I, I'm i concerned about the matchup, but deep down, I want the Giants again because my biggest fear is that we don't prove that we can beat that team. I don't want that asterisk on our season. Like I want another match with the Giants, and I want the Cowboys to beat them.
0: What do you think about um... – Tony Romo versus Dak, you know, all these calls for Dak's job. I mean, how do you, how does that sit with you as a Cowboys fan? Um, I mean, just, just the outside looking in as a Giants fan, uh, I think I would much, I'd feel better going against Dak in the playoffs than I would Romo in the playoffs. But how say you?
2: Yeah, I said it early in the year. I mean, people know me. I'm the biggest Tony Romo fan. Um, I've been a Romo apologist many times. I I feel the ceiling with what the offense can do is higher with Romo than with Dak. I'm not saying you throw out the chemistry though and throw in Romo, but I wonder how it's going to go. Let's just say, for example, I mean, Tampa Bay is no slouch. People who are sleeping on Tampa Bay don't. They won five games in a row. They shut down a high-powered offense in New Orleans. They shut down Kansas City, which is a great team. Their defense has been phenomenal the last five games, so – I mean, let's say Dallas loses to Tampa Bay. Let's say the Giants beat Detroit. Next thing you know, the Giants are one game back, and the Cowboys have a tough game with Detroit, who would be coming off a loss. So I, if they lose to Tampa Bay, and then let's say the next game against Detroit, Dallas is down at halftime, I I almost feel like they might have to throw Romo in. I, I feel the, the window is so small to get to the Super Bowl, and this team is built to get there. So... Ideally, you want the best player on the field. And if if Dak is just struggling and he just can't get it done, I I feel like you got to throw in Romo. And at the end of the day, Dak is signed for three or four more years. I mean, it's not like – this isn't a situation like Denver last year where, you know, they put Peyton Manning back in over Brock Osweiler. And then, you know, that that led to Osweiler hitting the road and going to Houston and signing a huge deal, which at the end of the day was actually a good thing for Denver. But – I I feel uh, – it's tough, man, because you don't want to throw up that chemistry, but ideally I want the best quarterback in the game. Uh, uh, It's a tough call either way.
0: Okay, so we're going to play a quick game. Um, and what we're gonna do is basically I'm gonna list the I'm gonna list each team in uh, in the playoff race currently and list basically you know the the closest to getting in. I'm not gonna sit here because like there's you know the only teams that are officially eliminated in the AFC, for example is the Rams, the Bears, and the Niners. So I'm not even gonna mess around with the Eagles, Panthers, uh, Saints, and the Cards. So so the teams in to the playoffs if they started right now is Dallas, Detroit. They're the one and two, um, three is Seattle, four is Atlanta, five is New York and six is Tampa Bay. So the three teams on the outside looking in are Green Bay, Minnesota, Washington. Um, which one of the teams that are in right now would you take out and which one would you put in or whatever combination of each? Like what six teams do you think deserve to be in? Or are you happy with how the playoffs sit right now?
2: So one team I take out and – it's tough to say because I've been singing his praises all year, but I think that finger injury to Matthew Stafford is going to affect him. And Detroit has a very mm-hmm. tough schedule remaining. They have the Giants, they have uh, um, Dallas, and they have Green Bay to finish out the year. Those are three potential playoff Oof. playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a murderer's row right there. Giants are looking for playoffs. That season. is brutal. Dallas looking to clinch a first-round bye. Green Bay is just looking to get in. And I think it's going to come down to that Week 17 game, Detroit versus Green Bay. And I can see Green Bay winning that and taking the division. And, you know, the Lions might have to settle for a wild card. They might even just be out, plain and simple, which is crazy to say, because right now mm-hmm. I think they're 9-4. and four, But I, I honestly could see Detroit maybe losing the last three games in a row, finishing 9-7. and seven. And unfortunately, too, much like Buffalo, I mean, they have a history of just, you know, Breaking their fans' hearts in the worst possible way. So, yeah, I'm Green Bay is just getting hot at the right time. They're getting their players healthy. Aaron Rodgers is starting to click with the offense again. I would I would take out Detroit and put in Green Bay. I think I think everything else holds. Serve Giants are in. Falcons are in. I think Tampa Bay will get in. But I would I would switch Green Bay and Detroit. Yeah, that is, uh, boy, man, you're not even kidding. Dale,
0: or Detroit's on a five game winning streak right now. Um, you know, and they've beat good teams. They've beat Minnesota, who's still in the playoff hunt. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've beaten, uh, let's see here. I'm going through. I mean, they beat the Jags. They beat the Vikings twice, excuse me. Um, the Saints, like I said. Uh, I mean, they don't really have any other quality wins. To be completely honest with you, the Packers beat them up pretty good. Excuse me, I pickups. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right on that one. I think before last week, I honestly I would have said the Giants. I would have said the Giants, and I would think that Washington deserved to be in. But I mean, that was sort of an embarrassing loss to uh, Arizona by them. I, I just I don't know. I, I, I as of right now, I, I, it's hard for me to disagree with you. I think the only team I would I would I would put in there is I, I could see like man, yeah. I, I, I'm just looking at the schedule. I mean, Seattle has a cakewalk going in. I think they have. Uh, Who do they play? They play San Francisco, uh, LA and, uh, who's their other team there. My phone's going really slow in Arizona. Yeah. So they should sort of bitch slap their way into the playoffs pretty, pretty easily, even though Russell Wilson has looked like absolute trash, uh, the last two games. I mean, the 40 to seven is, you know, a lot of that's the defense. It wasn't really Russell Wilson. I think he's two touchdowns, eight interceptions in his last two games. Um, but that being said, I mean, I still think that's a dominant defense, and I still think they're going to get in. I think they're going to make a lot of noise in the in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I'm agreeing with you. Just looking at their schedule, I think it's I think you can kind of knock Detroit out and you can put in Green Bay. I don't think Minnesota's for real. Uh, Washington, it'll be interesting to see. But I think they – they, I mean, that lost Arizona. I think might have just kicked them out of it. But that being said, the team in the hunt, uh, the, the three teams that are in the legitimate hunt in the NFC are three of the four losses the Giants have. So unfortunately, they hold tiebreakers over that uh, that fifth seed the Giants are in. And they did the Giants have themselves a massive favor by winning that D- Dallas game. So uh, we'll see how they play against Detroit. And um, you're right, though. I
2: think I would, uh, I think I would agree with that. I think
0: Green Bay is going to get in. I think Detroit's going to be out.
2: Yeah, and here's the other um, crazy stat about uh, Detroit and Stafford. He has eight fourth-quarter mm-hmm. comeback wins this season, which checks the new NFL record. Detroit always seems yeah. to play. They're, just, they're the cardiac cats this year. It's always close. It seems like they're always down in the fourth quarter and they need to come from behind. Eventually that magic is going to run out, though. You cannot keep it that close in every game. You need to squash some of these teams. And now their final three games, they're going up, going up against really good teams. If you keep it close like that, I mean, Rodgers is going to step on your throat. Eli's going to step on your throat. Dak's going to step on your throat, hopefully. You just can't do it. You keep these teams in it, and you keep it close, and eventually those wins turn over to losses when it's that, that slim of a margin.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. So, um, let's let us go over the AFC, And actually, I already have an answer for this as well. So, we have New England 1, KC 2. Pittsburgh three as of right now, Houston fourth as of right now, uh, Oakland ten and three, uh, and Denver uh, eight and five. So uh, I'll go first here, give you, give you a little second to think about your answer. I think Denver's out, um, and I think Baltimore's in. Uh, I mean, just looking at the schedule, Denver has uh, New England, Kansas City, and Oakland. That's their final three. That is brutal. That is brutal. They're going to finish 8-8, eight and, eight, and I actually think Baltimore is going to get in. I mean, they're they're 4-0 against their division. Um, they do play Pittsburgh. They do have a little bit of a tough road ahead, but it's not like it's undoable, especially for them. Um, so looking at their final three, they play Philly at home. They're at Pittsburgh and at Cincinnati. I mean, they split those games. They're 9-7. I actually think they're in over uh, over the Matt Moore-led uh um Dolphins and uh the uh I don't I don't trust any team in the AFC South, so I think it's Baltimore and Denver out.
2: Baltimore Denver out. Um I gotta agree with Denver. I think their road is just too tough and they're not they're ranking near the bottom of the league in rushing. They have no run game going. Uh Trevor Simeon, he's he's an all right quarterback. I just don't think he does enough, especially, you know, this Sunday going up against Brady at that's going to be a tough one, and Brady's got revenge on his mind. But uh, a team that's hot and that I just absolutely love has got to be the Tennessee Titans. They're traveling to KC this weekend. Um, it's great, too, because that game is going to be strength against strength. Tennessee's offense versus KC's defense. Tennessee's fourth in league in yards mm-hmm. per game, third in points per game. KC's third on defense against that. Um, turnovers, Tennessee doesn't turn the ball over. KC's tied for seventh in takeaways. It's it's straight versus straight. Tennessee's offense versus Kansas City's defense. Um, I'm gonna go on a limb too. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Tennessee with the upset. I think Tennessee will be KC Ooh. in KC. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. I, I don't feel too confident in it, but I'm going on a limb. Um, actually, no, I do feel confident about it. Screw that. You know what? I, I I'm confident Tennessee will be Kansas City. So Tennessee, I'm gonna put in over Houston because. I just think Osweiler and his quarterback play is a dumpster fire, absolute trash. That he has, he they gave him seventy-two million. It's absolute joke. So I think Tennessee will end up winning the South and get a home playoff game. Uh, I think everything else holds serve though. I mean, New England's going to run away with the one seed. Uh, the two seed, as far as Casey Oakland, oh, man, it's, it's such a toss-up. I'm going to give it to Oakland though. Um, yeah. So New England, Oakland. Uh, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to win the North Tennessee. And then my wild cards will be Kansas city and probably Baltimore. Yeah. I like Baltimore's defense.
0: Um, I, I I'm with you. I think Joe Flacco's experience and, uh, I, man, I'm thinking if, uh, I think the Patriots, I, I there's a theory floated out there. Um, that maybe the Patriots will tank their last game so Miami gets in. If it breaks right, that they're going to essentially rest their quote unquote rest their starters and uh, tank their last game so Miami gets in, so they don't have to see Baltimore, which I think would be a really really interesting move by Belichick. And it's definitely something I wouldn't put past him. But maybe he, you know, Brady's had a Brady 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 suffered a uh, more than they want to admit knee, uh, severe knee injury. I, don't, I mean, I don't know about the severity of it, but it was a pretty brutal hit. It was sort of helmet to knee. And, uh, you know, Brady being the, uh, the superhuman 39-year-old, almost 40-year-old he is, um, didn't miss any – I don't even think miss a snap. But uh, it was a pretty significant knee injury. So I think Belichick's going to rest, air quotes, rest his starters week 17 and maybe uh, – um, and uh, somehow let Miami – if, like I said, if it breaks right, get into the playoffs. We'll so have to face them in Baltimore because I don't think they want to play Baltimore in the playoffs because, I mean, obviously, Monday night game aside, I, I think that for whatever reason, like Eli, whenever the, he plays, whenever he decides to uh, to uh, come out of his coma, Joe Flacco just, just – I wouldn't say he owns the Patriots, but I know he strikes fear in the heart of Patriot fans. And uh, I think it will be interesting to see if that's what they do. I um, wouldn't put it past Belichick to pull a move like that. It would be funny, but I uh, wouldn't put it past him.
2: Yeah, I, knowing Belichick and the evil mastermind that he is, I wouldn't either. And the press or the post-game press conference about that, when they uh, question him on it, will be pretty hilarious too because we all know how Belichick oh, yeah. doesn't like to give up a whole lot at the post-game. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if the Pats are in a position to even do that if they can – because they're a game up right now in the AFC. We'll see if they're far enough ahead where they can rest starters. Um, But, yeah, the Pats are going to run away with the AFC either way, though, I think. I mean, Brady's numbers in December are just ridiculous. I believe he's – I just had it here a second ago. One sec. Uh, Brady is 50-1 since 2007 at home versus the AFC. 50-1. That is ridiculous. I believe he's about 52-4 and four in December in the same time span. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the guy just the guy just doesn't lose, especially when, after Thanksgiving when the games mean so much more. It's so crucial. But uh, on the other side of the coin, though, yeah, a matchup with Baltimore, there's something about Flacco that just, he always plays his best against the Patriots in the playoffs. I mean, if there's two teams they would want to avoid, it's got to be Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore. I mean, Roethlisberger and Flacco, you got to – when it comes down to it, man, I always pick the team with a better quarterback, and those and those two are really the only ones that can challenge Brady and the AFC, I think.
0: Yeah, see, I'm going to disagree there. I think Kansas City is the uh, – from top to bottom, I think the best team. Um, just as a whole, I don't think that – you know, I, don't, I, I wouldn't bet – my life on, uh, on them beating the Patriots in the playoffs. But I think as far as top to bottom team, uh, coaching, um, you know, outside of coach and quarterback, which I don't think he's, I think he's the second best quarterback in the, in the, uh, or second, best, excuse me, second best coach in the AFC. But I, mean, I think that gap is massive, bigger than one of my teeth. That's for sure. So, um, I, I just think that I think Kansas city is, I, I, they're my pick to come out of the AFC. Um, I think that element on special teams is going to be a difference maker. And uh, as much as I think Brady and Belichick are great, Brady and Belichick aren't invincible. So, um, yeah, I think KC is the best team in the AFC right now. I mean, that's really the thesis of everything I'm trying to say.
2: Oh, that's – all right. I, You know what? I would believe in KC. I feel like they'd have to steal a page in the Cowboys playbook. They would need to run the ball quite a bit. They have to eat up that clock and keep Brady off the field. If that offense just sputters and they do a couple three and outs, you keep giving – that's the thing. You have to limit Brady's possession. You cannot keep giving him back the ball because he's going to hit that home run throw and he's going to kill you with it. So if Kansas City – I mean, their defense is great, but there's no doubt about it. If they could play great defense, run the ball, control the clock – Maybe get Brady in the patch for a turnover. I, you could sell me on it. I just, I still feel it's Patriots all day. I, I think it is a close matchup. I just, I, I just can't bet against New England. Yeah, but here's the
0: thing, though. I mean, they're not invincible. They have an elite pass rusher in in Justin Houston. I mean, what's been what's been the blueprint to to, to beat Brady? Keep him off the field, and when he's on the field, keep him in uncomfortable situations. Who's going to do a better job in the AFC at doing that than Kansas City? You know, with special teams with uh, the despicable Tyree Kill, um, the running game with a combination of West and I um, drawing a blank on their other running back's name, uh, whatever. And um, and Alex Smith, I mean, a pass from Alex Smith, essentially like running the ball. It's not like he throws up field a lot. And I, I think they will. I think they'll just do a good job keeping them off the field. I mean, I think they're a more dynamic team this year than they were last year, and they did a really good job against them. I mean, it was close to the very end. I don't think the game was ever in doubt towards the end of that game, but you could envision a scenario in which that the, in which they won that game. But weird clock management. It was an out-of-the-box clock management um, strategy by Andy Reid that didn't quite work. But I don't know. I, I think that I think that with the, with the element of Tyreek Hill and, and just his ability to change a game on one kick um, or one punt, um, although I, I don't see a scenario in which Belichick actually gets, uh, you know, kicks it to him or has the ball kicked to him. But at the same time, I, I do think that that element, they'll get cre- any read, if anybody, will uh, get creative with uh, getting Tyreek Hill the ball. So, I don't know. That's just uh, that's just how I sort of see the AFC going. And maybe it's just me and my desire to shake the extra sketch a little bit in the AFC, but I definitely like Kansas City. Um, if not New England, definitely Kansas City. So, Tony, you want to do me a favor and remind everybody where they can find us and who we are?
2: Yes. For those of you don't already know who didn't click on the link or somehow read it, just happen to find it by, I don't know, some kind of – surprise or accident, uh, you're listening to Under the Hoodies. I am Tony DeNicola. That is Bill Keagle. For those of you who don't know, Bill is in Buffalo. I'm repping Syracuse, New York, home of the Orange. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at TonyHuse44. He is at Bill K. Eagle. The show is at Under the Hoodies. Uh, you can hit the link. You can hit us up at uh, BackSportsPage.com. And we are also on iTunes, for those of you who have Apple products. Just type into the search engine, back to the sports page, scroll down, subscribe, uh, select under the hoodies, download it, and then uh, give us a listen every week. We're usually on every Wednesday.
0: Usually. It gets a little dicey sometimes with um, with our uh, unfortunate schedules because uh, it's it, last few Wednesdays have been rough, um, you know, for the show or whatever, and then, you know, I did some aspects of our family life as well. Have been uh, have been kind of difficult, but we're here and uh, we're doing our best this week. Even though um, my house is probably covered in snow, um, and I say probably as in covered in snow, not just the dusting. Oh, like my roof has some snow on it. No, I am pretty convinced that I'm living in a uh, well-structured igloo right now because it is snowing very, very hard, and it's it's those typical Buffalo weather I've seen in a while. Um, cause last year was very mild this year, this day, last year, Buffalo actually had the record for the warmest day in, uh, in December at 71 degrees. So not quite that nice this year on uh, December 14th, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna float on and, um, you are going to introduce the next topic and I am going to sort of play off of you because this is your specialty. This is your area. You wanted to talk about one Dwayne, Pearl Washington. So um, let's uh, let's dive headfirst into that. What are we talking about? Um, what are we touching on in this segment?
2: Well, uh, for those who don't know, SU uh, Hoops has a, a big game this Saturday. It, I like to call it the rivalry reborn. Uh, our dreaded, hated rival, Georgetown, is coming back to the Dome uh, for the first time, I, th- I think since, I want to say 2013. But, yeah, and... What's great too is they're honoring Dwayne uh, Pearl Washington. For those who don't know, he was uh, a guard at SU from 1983 to 1986. Um, unfortunately, he uh, got a he had a brain tumor and he passed away earlier this year. Um, so the school is doing the right thing and they're going to honor him. Um, it's just appropriate that they do it during the Georgetown game because there was no player who loved playing a team more than Pearl against Washington, or uh, excuse me. No player that enjoyed playing one team more than Pearl played against uh, Georgetown. Um, Yeah, I'm very, I'm super excited for this game. I have my SU season tickets. I I can't wait to go. Uh, Cool thing too is uh, they've set up donations. They basically uh, made a scholarship in Pearl's uh, honor. Uh, Pearl left SU after his junior season and went to the NBA. And eventually he ended up going back and finishing his degree. So, Basically, the scholarship they set up is for student-athletes to come back, those who don't graduate, and basically finish up their degree. Um,
0: and oh, – no, go ahead. Sorry, if I cut you off. I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just looking something up quick. So, no, this is uh, this is significant because uh, with Syracuse moving to the ACC, this rivalry – you know, a lot of people would, would have thought died. And um, the cool thing that college basketball is doing is that a lot of these, uh, these Big East rivalries that uh, sort of went away with the, uh, with the uh, you know, putting Syracuse in the ACC and other teams from the Big East into the ACC, um, they're sort of uh, bringing them back. So Syracuse is going to play Georgetown. They're going to play UConn. Um, you know they're going to start. You know everybody remembers the the one of the greatest college basketball games of all time. You know uh, it was the Syracuse UConn game in which you know they went to six overtimes and Johnny Flynn was involved, and it was just one of those you know crazy college games that are going to go down in his Hundred years, it's going to be still talked about. So, um, but that's the great thing about what college basketball is doing now, is and what Tony is alluding to is going to the Georgetown uh, at the Carrier Dome, um, and, and just like he said, the uh, the rivalry. Reborn, um, so a lot of significant moments, a lot of hatred between these two teams. Syracuse's a little salty that uh, that um, John Thompson talked a big game and was, you know, would go on about you know ethics and, and getting the right type of guy in, but then he goes and gets a at the time very troubled Allen Iverson who was probably wrongfully in prison and bringing him on the team uh, in order to trade wins. Uh, a lot of Syracuse uh, guys also believe that uh, Georgetown might be slightly overrated. I mean, what if they made one final four since Patrick Ewing left? Uh, Syracuse has been to five in that time. Um, you know, no even real cracks in national titles. No great teams. Syracuse has had a number of them. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of crap talking before. And, and uh, another funny thing is a lot of people don't know Hillary Clinton went to uh, – or excuse me bill clinton went to georgetown and uh and i do believe donald trump's son also went to georgetown um whereas the uh the V uh mr uh, joe biden who had the pleasure of being uh i would say being deployed with but he was deployed attached to the unit that i was um Bo Biden, who, uh, unfortunately died, um, a couple of years back, uh, great guy. Um, but anyway, Joe Biden went to Syracuse law school. So, um, a lot of weird political ties with these two schools too. So, um, so yeah, I, Tony's, Tony's going to be better at speaking about this than I, but, uh, for my very, very, um, comparatively limited knowledge. Uh, I mean, no one has more knowledge about the Syracuse basketball program outside of, uh, Jim Beheim than Tony does, um, so comparatively my limited knowledge, that's uh, what I know of the rivalry, and um, just uh, my uh, my recollections on it as well. And what the hell is a Hoya, by the way?
2: Yeah, I, I, I've never been able to figure that out. I don't even know how it ties into a dog, but, yeah, I mean, the rivalry really kicked off uh, back in 1980. Uh, SU was number two in the nation. They had a 57-game home winning streak going at uh, Manly Fieldhouse, which was our old venue. If you've never been to Manly, it's, um, I'm pretty sure they converted it. I, I don't even know what to now. I think it's like uh, – I think they took out the stands and everything. But it, besides the point, um, I used to go there for uh, high school games when we were in sectionals. And it was a, it was a cool little venue that fit maybe six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 people. And it was just – it was one of those cool small arenas where everyone was on top of each other, just loud, just, you know, a crazy rocket atmosphere. But, yeah, February thirteenth, 1980, the final game there. Um, SU was ranked number two. Georgetown upset them. And John Thompson, and all his wisdom, with the, the famous quote, Manly Fieldhouse is officially closed. And that, I cannot begin to tell you how that pissed off people in the area. I, you know, I wasn't alive for Manly Fieldhouse when the SU played there. I didn't get to see Pearl play. But I, I would hear the stories of my grandfather all the time. And that deep-seated hatred for Georgetown ran so deep to the point where my grandfather told me that if I ever went to school at Georgetown, he would disown me. And, you know, you could laugh about a ha-ha like, uh, you know, he didn't really mean it. No, he literally meant it. If I were to go to Georgetown, he basically would have kicked me out of the family. That's how deep that rivalry ran. I mean, you had generations of kids growing up in Syracuse that just, you learn to hate the color gray, you learn to hate John Thompson, you learn to hate Patrick Ewing, you, you despise Georgetown with every ounce of your being. And it, it's what was great about the rivalry, too, is that it was just so intense and so physical. I mean, you had the game where Pearl Washington went up against Patrick Ewing, who's 10 inches taller, probably outweighs him by 50, 60 pounds, and throws an elbow right in his gut. I mean, the guy was fearless up against Patrick Ewing, who's just a pure monster. And Pearl meant so much to the school. I mean, he was he was the number one recruit coming out of high school in Brooklyn. He was the he was basically the king of New York City basketball courts. And the fact that they had to pull him to Syracuse and just it made us a national power in basketball. He's he's a big part of why we can fill thirty thousand people in that dome now, which we've done eighty times, and seventeen of which have been against Georgetown. It's it, it was a huge moment for us, a huge recruiting tool. I mean, Pearl was an all-time great, uh, you know, uh, Big East Rookie of the Year, first 1st um, first team All-American. The guy just – he was humble. He exuded class. He's just – he was everything that Syracuse is. I mean, the guy was a forefather of SU basketball. It's just great that they're going to honor him this Saturday. I'm I'm beyond excited to go to this game. Yeah, and I mean, as
0: a uh, you know, as a person that you know, you are born, raised, you bleed orange. I mean, of all your favorite teams, Syracuse is your favorite or your favorite. So I'm super excited for you, man. I'm uh, I'm happy that these rivalries are coming back. Um, especially the Georgetown uh, and the, and the Yukon rivalries. I, I'm really excited about it. And honor uh, your man, uh, Pearl Washington against a school that uh, he absolutely despises and has a ton of history with is uh, one of the things that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, a guy we lost too soon, one of the good ones. So um, yeah, well, that's a, that's going to be a cool tribute. I'm actually jealous. I can't be there, but, um, but yeah, man, I, I think you're going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's um I'm looking forward to watching it. I really am. Uh, hopefully I'm near my watch ESPN app so I can, uh, so I can check it out. If not, I will, uh, I will try to find it somewhere in DVR and, or go back and watch it. And hopefully they show uh, the pro Washington uh, stuff on TV. So um, definitely looking forward to that. So Tony, do you want to get into our uh, crappy game of the, uh, of the week pick and uh, go over last week's pick? Let's go over last week's pick. So last week, Tony had the uh, the Bengals. Excuse me, they were favored by why well, am I drawing a blank? How what were they favored by last week? Why am I drawing a blank?
2: Uh, I want to say Bengals were favored by three and a half, and I believe I took the Browns, which was just wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't think it was that low. I want to say it was higher. I want to say it was like closer to ten. Um, I don't have my notes out here because I know I wrote it down last time. Anyway. Either way, you lost. So uh, you have to watch Dogfight still. Um, I still have to watch both of yours. I'm gonna hopefully try to find try to shoe on some You know what? If work is canceled tomorrow, I'll definitely knock it out tomorrow. That's for sure. Um, but um, so I got to watch both of yours. I have them both written down. I the ECW and the Seth Rollins thing on WWE Network. I actually, tried to watch it on Saturday, and your WWE Network password for some reason was not working. So I'm gonna try another method of uh, of trying to get that because for whatever reason, even though you gave me the right password, it wasn't working. So um, anyway, um, yeah. So you have to watch Dogfight still. Don't watch out with the and the Fiance. You can take your time. I'm not I'm not rushing you on that one. But what I am gonna rush you on. And uh, rush you on after I watch yours. By the way, I'm not going to do that till after. Is uh, you're going to watch Utopia? That's going to be your next movie. I know that was the one I tried to give you an out on, but you know what? I really want to see. I really want your opinion on Dogfight. I actually really want to take about five minutes of the show and discuss that movie because because I actually might rewatch it at some point. uh, and then I really want to talk about that movie because i that's one of my favorite documentaries. I love the guy that made that documentary, Billy Corbin. I think I talked about this on another show, um, but Billy Corbin's made Cocaine Cowboys*, sort of everybody's default favorite documentary. Um, if anybody loves 30 for 30s, he did three of them. He did The U, he did The U2, and he did Broke. Broke is one of the best 30 for 30s. The U is a, another one of the most critically acclaimed 30 for 30s. The U2 was as entertaining as anything you're going to watch on any of the 30 for 30s. Um, so, uh, definitely, definitely still watch Dogfight, but again, don't watch it with the mill or the fiance. Um, Zootopia, uh, if you get to that one first, I'm not going to be mad. I understand uh, your predicament and it's a lot easier for you to watch it with them, uh, watch anything with them as opposed to watching it without. So, um, understood on that, but Zootopia is your fourth movie. So as of right now, I'm just saying it out loud. So we have it on record. I am winning the series for two and, um, uh, so we have a bet going on, by the way. If the Giants and the Cowboys play, so we got to we got to come up with the terms of this bet. So if the Giants and the Cowboys play in the uh, playoffs, and we are going to bet on that, so I think the bet playoffs. is I <laughs> playoffs. Uh, what are we talking about here? Playoffs. Um, so I think the terms of that I bet, at least on my end, are if the Cowboys beat the Giants in the playoffs. My daughter, my sweet, innocent baby girl, has to wear a Dallas Cowboys jersey every Sunday next year. So that is the terms. So what are the terms if the Giants beat the Cowboys in the playoffs? on your end? What what do you have to do? Do you have to wear my Eli jersey every Sunday? Because I have a
2: white Eli jersey I can send you. Oh, uh, God. I, I. You know, that's not fair because you're not wearing a Cowboys jersey. It's just your daughter. I, I, I don't have children, okay, but I, I do have my I do have my fun furry little pit bulls. I I was thinking maybe I could buy them a couple of giant uh, scarves to go around their collars and make them wear it full time for maybe yeah, a month you straight.
1: Country, uh, you
0: can't really parade you can't parade them around. No, 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 not a month straight. I think Maggie, or excuse me, the fiance, uh, everybody forget her name. Um, I think she has. To, Tony looks really annoyed right now. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Listen, I, you know what? At, at this point, I just feel like it's just you and I conversing about, uh, things we know. You can say, I just said Avery's name. So, uh, we get one, uh, fiance name drop on this. So it's not like I say the baby and the wife. Um, and, uh, so anyway, so yeah, fiance, um, her name is not what I said it was. It's actually, that's a, that's an alias. And so maybe she her name's has to wear what of, yes. Yeah. And my, and my wife's name is Dorothy. We'll just give them all old people names. But it's everybody in our life. The mill's actual real name is um, is Joyce. And uh, my daughter's actual real name is Gertrude. So, uh, so Gertie would have to wear a Cowboys jersey. And I think we're going to have to make um, Margot wear a uh, – I think we wear – Ashley has two Giants jerseys. Maybe she'll have to wear a Jason Pierre-Paul jersey for um, – you know, some kind of event or something, some some shindig you guys are have that's casual. I want to see her in it. I want pictures with other people. I want you next to her smiling, wearing a giant shirt as well.
1: It's got to be big. You know big what I mean? Too. It's got to be
0: big.
2: Yes. Yeah. We'll Don't get we all? this week's
0: um, We'll get into this week's bet. So, this week's bet is uh, two teams we both think are terrible, the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills. And, boy, Cody it's uh, a <laughs> – we are counting down to a magical, a magical episode. Uh, we're not sure where this magical episode is going to take place, but when the magical episode happen uh, happens, you will know when this episode is happening. Uh, we have a great idea, um, bills related, and uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna tease it. it you'll know, you'll know. It'll probably be next week. Get this right, but um, it'll be you know, next week. The, it'll be next week for sure. Oh man. They better not lose to the Browns. Poor Bills. Um,
2: so that's all right. That's Let's the most check this Buffalo front. thing that could happen is for Buffalo to lose <laughs> to Cleveland. I I, I feel so <laughs> confident about it. It's ridiculous.
0: So the season will officially look like that fat guy who jumped through the table's leg. <laughs> Basically, is what you're saying yeah, is that the Bills lose to
1: Cleveland.
2: Can we, can we talk about that real quick, all right? Maybe, maybe it's because I'm a pro wrestling junkie, but my God, man, if you watch an ounce of wrestling, you would know. You never go through a table feet first. Go through it with your back. You want to you use the biggest part of surface area on your body so that the impact is minimalized. Why would you go through it feet yeah. first? It's just not the right form. I mean, we've seen those not in the past. They've hit RKOs on each other. They've hit stunners. We've seen a guy do a moonsault at the back of a truck a guy, on a guy through a table. Bill's mafia be better. I, I'm surprised it took yeah. this long though for somebody to get seriously hurt. I mean, that guy snapped his leg like it's a twig. It, it was gruesome yet awesome. You don't see a lot of fat guys
0: getting compound injure, compound uh, fractures. So uh, I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it was it was fantastic, but and I, I, I sort of felt bad for him after the fact—not even the fact that he you know shattered his leg, but the fact that when he was down on the ground writhing in pain, people just came up, and started taking pictures of him, and the guy filming didn't even budge. Like he just he just sat there and kept uh, kept recording. So I thought that was entertaining as well.
2: You know what though? I give a lot of credit to that cameraman though, because how many times have you watched a YouTube video? and the moment of impact happens, and then they just run over and forget about the camera. Like, his no. I, I, his duty to just keep filming it, the entire thing, on video, I I I can't. I appreciate that, you know? Yeah. Props to that guy.
0: No, I 100% agree with you. So, since I won, the Bills, I'm taking the Bills, and, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Bills. So, you have, uh, oh, God. I have the the bills and the ten ball. God, do I really think Buffalo is going to be Cleveland by ten in in Buffalo? Oh boy, with the weather the way it is, game actually might be played somewhere else. Um, ugh, that's boy. a lot of I'm points. I'm going to take Buffalo. I am going to take Buffalo, uh, begrudgingly. I'm going to take Buffalo to win by more than. So uh, this is this is probably our this is probably the one I'm the most nervous about. To be honest with you. I don't feel 100% confident in this one. As far as the ones I've had to pick myself, this is
2: definitely the one I think I could lose.
0: That's embarrassing. Sorry. i, I uh too lazy to hit my phone and hit mute. Um, so, uh, you, know, you know, most radio shows or whatever have cough buttons. I think old Billy's a yawn button here. He's getting old. So, anyway, um, I did that on purpose so you would bitch at me after the show that I shouldn't be yawning on the show. So, go ahead.
2: You you've got a potty mouth tonight. You're cursing quite a bit. It's amazing how you curse way more than I do. And people who know us personally would, you know, put their harder money down that it would be me doing it. But uh, yeah. Uh, when the Bills lose to Cleveland because they're losing to Cleveland this weekend, when? Bills Mafia. Uh, yeah. at what point do they fire Rex Ryan? Does he even make it out of the stadium alive? Does Bills Mafia just pick pick him up and just toss him in the Lake Erie? I mean, how does that go? <laughs> Does, I think he to, Gula, does he uh, even get to get in his I F-150 think, Bills truck, or did they just impound it on the spot? Like, how does that work? And shout-out to the guy who, who, uh, uh, who put up the truck on Craigslist. That was one of the funniest things yeah, I've ever seen. Talking about how he needs to get rid of it. Yeah, that's that was, uh, Well, you know, he, he does have a uh, –
0: his wife does have a Mark Sanchez tattoo, which is one of the weirdest things ever. Um, but, okay, so – I think that if they lose to the Bills, I think he goes for the handshake with Hugh Jackson and Terry Pagula just turns him away and just sends him to the locker room to get his stuff. I think he just gets fired right on the 50-yard line, right in front of everybody. I think I think Terry Pagula sort of uh, he parachutes in, blocks Rex from shaking a head coach's hand and just points him in the direction and Rex just walks out and starts just walking towards
2: CBS. I think, uh, you know that Bill super fan who dresses as like Elvis with a guitar? I think after the game, he just runs on the field and just kabongs him right over the head with it. Oh, goes full Jeff Jarrett on him? I agree with you. <laughs> I, I, I hope that, flat, ha- huh? be,
1: that.
0: That's, that's going to be the most entertaining part of that game, for sure, if that happens. I can promise that. Because um, my TV is not going to even probably be turned to that game. Um, so... All right, uh, I build by
2: ten. Oh boy! God. If Buffalo loses to Cleveland this Monday in, in in Orchard Park, just becomes the purge, right? I mean, there's just going to be fires in the street. It's just going to be pure anarchy. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. You know, Don't much me like either. the Joker, so... I can't be bought. I can't be reasoned with. I just want to watch the world burn.
0: It's very true. You do. So, entertainment picks. My entertainment pick this week is Black Mirror. Black Mirror Black Mirror is on Netflix. I would say watch the first episode of season three. The good thing about them is it's the anthology series. So, it's in the same universe, but it's not, um, you know, you don't have to watch one to uh, to understand the other. They're all completely different stories. They're fantastic. Tony, you almost got assigned Black Mirror, but I really want you to watch Zootopia, and I wanted to give you something to watch with the fiance and the mill. So, uh, Black Mirror, first episode of season three, fantastic with the the lovely and talented Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, if anybody knows who she is, she is uh, quite fetching. She is the daughter of uh, of uh, uh, Ron Howard, the uh, the great uh, the great director of uh, such movies such a, as um, I don't remember, but anyway, go ahead. He's What's quite your... fetching as well. Ron? Yeah, Ron is too. A little Opie. Okay, you have to give an entertainment fix, Tony. You're just gonna sit there and look at me with your with your fake reading glasses.
2: Uh yes, yes. Uh you mentioned it earlier, uh the ESPN thirty for thirties. Great series. They do a phenomenal job. And since I brought up Pearl and S U, uh I may as well go with uh the thirty for thirty, Rec Room for the Big East. Great <laughs> documentary. Talks about the rise of the Big East Conference, how exposure for college basketball in the Northeast was basically non existent back in the day. SU got together with Georgetown, Villanova, St. John's, um, and what, down the line, UConn, Pittsburgh, and they formed this powerhouse conference, which just became some of the most entertaining and physical basketball you've ever seen. It just talks about the conference, how it gets built up, its early beginnings, how it just gained a ton of traction, became hugely popular uh, the eventual decline and demise of it, you know, largely due to football and revenue, but you know, go out of your way and watch it. I've seen it three or four times now. Just like I said, ESPN does a bang up job of their 30 for thirties. And I think it's one of the best ones they have. Yep.
0: Uh, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, definitely check that out. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, that's it for the show. Um, But I will tell everybody, uh, keep listening, because after the end of this show, um, I am going to play an interview I did with Joe Buck a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's only about 10 minutes long, so please do me a favor and listen to it. It's a really good interview. He was a really nice guy um, before the the mics even heated up with him. Um, He was super friendly before that. He gave really good, thought-out answers, and – it was like i said good interview uh it's my first one of the kind doing uh doing something like that so uh I, mind you you can hear a little bit of the nerves in my voice which i maybe i'm just hearing that and nobody else is cuz i've gotten uh nothing but compliments about it but uh go ahead and listen um like i said good interview fun interview he was super nice he gave really good thought out answers Um, and uh, the interview was about his book called Lucky Bastard. Um, Very entertaining book, very funny. A lot of interesting stories in there that you would not have known about him. Um, I particularly enjoyed the part about uh, Todd Zeal. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people knew that there was rumors going around that he was gay with uh, former Cardinals player, St. Louis Cardinals player Todd Zeal, but um, that was interesting. Uh, We talked about his hair plugs and, uh, about his divorce. And, uh, like I said, good interview, good conversation. Great guy. I
1: know he gets a lot of
0: flack, um, but, uh, all in all good interview. So, uh, Tony, anything else?
1: I was just going to pimp out, uh, where you can
2: find us. Um, guys, we appreciate you listening. I know I've hit up a ton of people on Twitter, getting a ton of new followers, ton of new listeners, got some good feedback. Please keep it up. Hit us up with any feedback, good, bad, and different. Um, a little programming note, we are going to be upgrading our equipment after the end of the new year. Oh, well, not end of the new year, beginning of the new year, um, especially, too, in case you guys don't know how we do this. There's a bit of a delay, so the back and forth is as quick as we would like it. Uh, we are going to be fixing that problem fairly soon, upgrading the equipment. You'll be able to hear us better, better quality, better overall production. But, uh, you know, hit us up with those comments. Uh You can find us on Twitter. He's Bill K. Eagle. I am Tony Q 44 The show itself can be found at Under the Hoodies. Uh, Download us on iTunes. Uh, Hit us up at BackSportsPage.com. On iTunes, just search for Back Sports Page, three words. Hit that subscribe button. Cycle through, find any Under the Hoodies episodes and download them. Listen to them on the go. Listen to them when you're at work. Listen to them when you're in church. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Week by week, this is only going to get better. And just hit us up with that feedback. We really appreciate it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Everything Tony said. And um, all right, now the Joe Buck interview. Tony, good talking to you, buddy.
2: Have a- all right, so just hop right into it. Uh, first question is
0: uh, uh, for someone in the public eye. Uh, why write an autobiography? Uh, wh- what are you hoping people are going to get out of it?
1: Well, I think they end up getting a better picture as to who I really am. You know, I I, I certainly don't think that people are, are, you know, laying awake at night in their beds going, I wonder who Joe Buck really is. But I, I think uh, it's a, it's a worthwhile book and a good read, and it's a way for people to kind of – make me a little bit more three-dimensional and, and know that I'm willing to laugh at myself, uh, to be honest about things that have happened in my life, to show the warts uh, of which I have many, and, uh, and, and be real. You know, it, it's hard in the course of play-by-play of a football game or a baseball game to, to show who you really are. And this, this was my opportunity to do that. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with the response so far. I think it's hit people uh, on a lot of different levels. And uh, talking about the death of my father and the relationship that we had uh, away from baseball stadiums and football stadiums, going through divorce, almost losing my career, these are things that people deal with uh, in their lives. And so maybe they can identify with pieces of it and take something to apply to their own their own struggle, and, uh, you know, we're, we're not all very different, and uh, this is my offering to to entertain and, and maybe uh, have people understand a little bit more about me.
0: Um, yeah, that's certainly what I've gotten from the book as well. So, um, yeah, speaking of your father, uh, I'm really curious with a guy, you know, a guy like your father. Um, aside from all the advice he gave you on broadcasting, what advice as a person did your father give you, give you that sticks with you today, maybe as a husband or a father?
1: Yeah, I, that is the most important question uh, that you could ask. And I saw a guy who had every reason in the world um, to put himself in a cocoon or think he was better than the game or – uh, better than someone else, at least in the city of St. Louis. I mean, he was he was kind of St. Louis royalty. Uh, not only when I was a little kid, but by the time he passed away, you know, he had built up a lot of goodwill in this city. But but the answer is how to treat people and how to treat the person operating the elevator at Bush Stadium the same or even better than he would the commissioner of baseball if he were to show up at a Cardinal game or, you know, how to, how to do things for others when the camera's not on or nobody's there to record it. And, you know, you don't come home. When he passed away, there were stories that came out about things that he did for people that those of us in our family, we had no idea he had ever done. And he wasn't doing it so that at the dinner table he could say, hey, guess what great deed I did today. He did it because it made him feel good and it helped somebody out. And so I, I learned how to be a good person from my dad, and, uh, and, and that's way more important than how to call a home run or a touchdown or whatever it may be. And, and, and that's, you know, a living example is, is what I've tried to do for my own kids. And uh, I, I don't know that I've always done it perfectly, but I've certainly tried.
0: Uh, you wrote about divorce in the book. How does your first marriage bleed into your second marriage, and has that made you a better husband now, going through the divorce and uh, dealing with uh, with your daughters? Um, how has that made you? Has that made you a better husband? And uh, I guess what lessons can you take from
1: that? Yeah, I, and I, I think. First of all, when you write about something as personal as divorce, you know you, you not you have to take into consideration everybody's feelings. And so, I made sure my daughters were okay with every word I wrote in this book, and and every word that had to do with divorce. That's something that's that's more traumatic than them. But I I married my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. We were married, I guess, by the end of it, for 19 years. And we, I think, did our very best, but grew apart. And, you know, thankfully there was no one else involved, and we came to an understanding that we were going to part ways, and and the most important thing for us was to raise our daughters the best way we could. And so that's what we've done from the, the minute they were both born. And so... I, you don't ever go through something like that and not learn and not get better. And, and I, think I'm, I think I'm a better husband, uh, and, and I think I'm in a marriage that uh, is more understanding. Uh, I married a, a woman who's at ESPN, who is on air, who gets the business, who uh, has a huge heart. And, uh, you know, thankfully, everybody's moved on and, and probably come out better for it. Uh, but, but going through that was, was a difficult thing, and writing about it was just as difficult.
0: How was the reactions to the book, uh, Your Ex-Wife and Your Daughters?
1: It's, it's been great, um, and, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, like, like I said, if, if my daughters were not okay with one word in that book, I would change it. And I gave them both the manuscript before it came out, and they both read it front to back. They loved it. Um, and they, they, they said, go, you know, this, this is a good representation of what we all went through. And, uh, my ex-wife is fine with it. Uh, we've talked about it, you know, it's, it's something I, I said to her and I would say to anybody, I'm 47 writing about my life. There's no way I cannot talk about my failed marriage and you know it's something that i think a lot of people go through the divorce rates over 50 percent, and so it would be disingenuous and an incomplete story if i didn't put it in so thankfully everybody's okay with that and uh, i think it's pieces of the book like that that so many have identified with Uh, and, and that's what's made me really happy with it
0: uh, as a guy, I'm in my early 30s, so I worry about losing my hair also. But I found it therapeutic that you admitted it was about vanity. Um, was, it helpful, was that helpful to you to admit? And uh, what was the general response to that part of the book?
1: It's been great. You know, it's, it's kind of like I've become the hair loss whisperer because <laughs> now that the, this book has come out, so many people have come to me like, Oh my god, I, I, I had no idea you know I feel the same way and I've gone through the same procedures and so yeah, it was therapeutic and uh, I, I don't I'm sure you know all of us who have lost hair have had the same thoughts like there's something about your virility that you feel like is is taken away or maybe it's a, it's a sure sign that you're getting older and you don't like it. so it's not unique and was it therapeutic? Absolutely, and I loved being able to go on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show and mm-hmm. say to the crowd and say to the audience, hey, I, you know, so I had this hair plug procedure, and I almost lost my voice, and and that gets people's attention because nobody really talks about that stuff, so I figured why not? Let it all hang out, and if you're going to write a book, write a book.
0: Right, and be honest as possible. No, understood. So um, uh-huh. my last uh, thing is just a, just a statement. of uh, something I've wanted to tell you for a while because I'm, a, I'm a, i admire your work. And uh, on February 3rd, 2008, you called the Giants Patriots Super Bowl in Super Bowl 42. Uh, on that date, I had just gotten to Baghdad, Iraq, and uh, there was something about that game. Me being a Giants fan since as, you know as little as I could remember at that moment. At that point, that was the biggest moment of my life, and to spend it in Iraq and um, and, uh, and, and oh sort of God. have you as the backdrop to that moment, getting me out of being scared and being depressed. I just want to thank you so much for that. Um, it's, oh uh, man, that,
1: really that makes my, that, oh.
0: yeah, th- I mean, it, uh, no, thank you. I mean, it, it's, I'm telling you there's, you know, y- what you guys do is, uh, is fantastic. And, uh, you know, just for that, uh, three hours, it was good to hear your voice. So uh, I just wanted to thank you. And that's wow. all I had, Mr. Buck. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for all you do, and I, I appreciate that more than you know. So thanks. All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care.
0: You too. Bye.